0: The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video. As seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd. And a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Drawer Gill.
1: Okay, so hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Video Insiders. I'm uh, Drawer Gill and with me, my co-host Mark Donegan. Hi Mark, how are you doing today?
0: I am doing great, Drawer. Um... Boy, it's been a little while since we were on the microphone together.
1: Yeah, our, our podcast was taken over by uh, Tamar Shoham and uh, Anne Aaron uh, last time.
0: It was really great, and they've contributed so much to the video industry.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. So go back one episode after you listen to this one and listen to episode 59, Women in Video Technology. And I'm uh, sure you'll find it interesting. Uh, and uh, Mark, today is also going to be a great episode, right? I'm sure it about that. It
0: is. It is. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about this topic, but we're going to be hitting it from a from a different angle. And uh, so let's just jump in, Drawer. What do you say? Sure. Let's go yeah let's go well i'm uh, very happy to welcome alex lu from netint and uh, alex welcome to the video
2: insiders hi mark hi joe so i'm alex lu i'm the co-founder and the COO of netint technologies well it's
0: uh it's really
2: great to have you and
0: you know let's just jump in um tell us uh, who netint is maybe not everyone's familiar and uh you know what's the what's the story um how how did the company come to be
2: and you know give us the inside scoop netint is a startup based on uh, vancouver canada we are designing the innovation highly innovated asic based video processing solutions for low latency video uh, transcoding that can operate on x86 and also ARM-based servers. So using uh, netting solutions, we can realize a 10x of increase in encoding density and also a 20x of reduction on the carbon emissions compared to the CPU-based software solutions.
1: So basically, you are building a chip for uh, video encoding that's kind of a coprocessor to... uh... To an ARM or, or x86 based server.
2: Yes, yeah. So it is a uh, ASIC based uh, video compression accelerator which can working with all the x86 or ARM based servers. You've
0: incorporated this into an NVMe form factor, and I think also an add-in card, like you know, it could serve a traditional three-quarter height or half-height add-in card, is really interesting. So how did you? You know how how did you come about um, to think about that approach?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that that's a long story. In fact, so uh, Tao is our co-founder and uh, CTO of Netint. So both Tao and I we come from the PMC Sierra, which is a uh, fabulous design, uh, IC design company, uh, and with a big uh, design center in Canada. So we are very familiar about the enterprise customers' their needs. Nice. And we realized that uh, with the Morse law is falling and uh, the hyperscale guys is uh, they, they getting so big, they have accumulated enough applications density and uh, they need to uh, design a domain-specific accelerator uh, uh, ASICs for their uh, applications. One of the key applications is the, to processing the video demands. So that, that's why we, we target for this application first. And because we came from the the, the enterprise storage domain, we, we know that NVMe is getting popular and popular. In fact, it's grow with the data center together. It's already become a universal interface that can link to not only the storage, but also all kinds of applications. So we use this idea to design the video accelerators that That's come out how how the first chip we have right now. So we have very powerful uh, video codec ASIC with uh, interface through the MME interface to the host.
1: So basically the product you sell is in the form factor of an SSD drive and then you just plug that uh, into the server and it uh, does your uh, video processing?
2: Just like that. It's the almost plug and play because the NVMe... interface or mme ssd is available for all data centers for all operation systems all kernels right so it's just already been universal existence so we put it here and the host recognize or asic or or card as a normal ssd so it start to interact with each other, and we use that interface to carry on all the video commands. There's no modifications needed to the kernel. Just plug and play.
1: And also, you don't need to open up the server and install a card, right? Physically, the server remains closed, and you put it in a bay. Exactly. Yeah, it supports it's hot plug. That is... That, that's really yeah yeah I agree Mark that's, uh, <laughs> that's really <funny. laughs> it, it, it w- w- when I visited the website that also immediately caught my eye that it's kind of a plug and play solution you just plug it into the server you don't need to open it and replace any cards or add any cards
0: yes but with this approach uh, you literally could go into your encoding operations center uh, where you've got racks and racks and racks of you know Dell or HP machines or whatever you're running or even ARM based and. Effectively get 10x the throughput just by upgrading, just by plugging these
2: NVMe drives in. That's amazing. One of our ASIC, if running on the 264 is equals to 27 CPU cores, if running uh, HEVC is equals to 100 CPU cores. So let's see what happens when AV1 comes out.
1: And these are the two... Uh, codecs that you currently support, H. two six four and HEVC?
2: So for the current generation, we already massively deployed in the market. It supports AVC and HEVC. On each chip, we can support uh, 4K P60. And also we support 10-bit HDR or even Dolby Vision. We will announce very soon that we will support everyone as well. That's going to get everyone's attention. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So on the next generation... Each chip will f- support four channels of 4K P60 AV1, 10-bit encoding.
1: Wow. So you're increasing capacity from one channel of 4K P60 to four channels of 4K P60. But capacity is increased even more because you can do this with AV1, which obviously is, is much heavier to encode than uh, than HEVC, right?
2: We, we will also support some Lexi codecs like AVC and HEVC as well. It it will support a 10-bit encoding. Eight K P sixty per chip.
1: Oh, eight eight K P sixty for for AVC and HEVC. Yes. Ah, I see. Okay, and eight K P sixty. Okay, that's like four times four K P sixty in terms of uh, number of pixels per second, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really amazing. I mean, it's very difficult to get this kind of uh, uh, capacity in software encoding. Uh, we managed to get it for HEVC at Beamer when uh, we used the uh, the amd epic uh, uh, chip um which has uh, 64 cores and uh, 64 hyperthreads um but doing it in a in a single chip which is obviously uh, takes less uh, uh, power right you mentioned that the carbon footprint is is really significantly reduced when using a hardware solution
2: i really think the software way to to Manage the encoding is not sustainable. It is the, economically is cannot sustainable, and also it is the bring a lot of negative impact to the environment.
1: Exactly. So it's not just a cost and uh, issue. It's not just the benefit you get in the total cost of ownership, but it's also the impact on the environment for you know running so many CPUs and consuming that much electricity, etc. Exactly. And uh, when you compare the quality of those encodes to the software. Um, is it compared, I mean, in software, you have a lot of flexibility um, that you can change the quality, you can trade off the quality of the encoding uh, with uh, the, uh, you know, CPU consumption, you can have very high quality encodes that take a lot of CPU consumption, which in the open source codecs, they call it uh, very slow, or slow. And you can have Uh, lower quality encodes that work faster in the the fast, fast, ultra-fast presets. So where does the hardware uh, ASIC uh, solution fall in between uh, these two extremes?
2: So uh, traditionally, uh, people think that, okay, the hardware encoding is so rigid that it can only do a few things. But it's not true anymore previously the, the ASIC is more from the consumer device is just do the simple job right but right now the like our design is from the day one we target for the data center usage so we we are design a flexible solution that can working with software together it's not only the software do the job it it can work with software together uh for, for example uh, we can do the heavy lifting of the encoding part but in the same time we can borrow the intelligent or let the software do the smart job like uh, did we do the encoding part and the software do the read control or the video enhancement part and then use that to control the detailed encoding process happening inside our chip. So in that way, we can do a wide range of the quality, like like you said, from the 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 live streaming contents to the high quality VOD, even broadcaster level of the contents, we we can all do that. But if only talk about the hardware side, if purely hardware, there there will be some limitations, and uh, I, I believe that is uh, that kind of quality is more like the suitable for the live streaming or UGC or the just-in-time encoding, this kind of contents. And uh, for the premium content like Netflix or something, I believe that is more suitable for the software encoding like Euro. But I said, we can do it together mm-hmm. with the software guys together.
1: Ah, so you're saying the solution also supports uh, a hybrid mode of encoding, where part of the encoding is done in hardware and part of yes, it is done in software. Yes, we
2: know there are so many brilliant solutions existing in the market, right? Like or CBR. So we do the first pass We've, we provide all the needed information to the software brain. And they do the smart things, and uh, issue the command. Let the uh, hardware to do the job. Right?
0: How much of the machine is available to do some of this more advanced, um, you know, motion estimation work, or you know, maybe even some AI, ML, or, or or content adaptive encoding? Can you give us some idea?
2: Yeah, maybe I can give some real case happening right now. So one of our customer is designing a. Two RU uh, server with uh, twenty of the T48, which hot plug unit, and also four of the full chips version inside. So our uh, two RU server, which have contains thirty six of our chip in total, which can run twenty no, it can run two hundred and eighty eight channels of so 1080p30 video transcoding in the same time concurrently. And the CPU usage is less than 50%. So you have a, a huge amount of CPU cycles. You can do whatever you want, like the video enhancement or the read control or some other AI stuff.
0: And is this a classic x86-based architecture, or is it ARM? Uh, it's uh, x86, but the
2: same thing happens for the ARM as well. So, And now this is HEVC or AVC, or is it only AVC? It doesn't matter. AVC or HEVC yeah. is the
0: same performance. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's an ASIC. Yeah, exactly. It's hardwired on, on the silicon.
1: Wow. And in this kind of configuration, do you run into any... Bandwidth issues on the bus because you need to feed all of this raw video into the server, right? So it can be processed.
2: So our card is uh, have four channels of the PCIe uh, three So it's uh, if only when running full capacity, it's only occupies one quarter of the bandwidth. But for our next generation chip, which will have the the support. 8KP60 if the the host system running still running on the PCIe 3.0 that might be a limitation so for our next generation we may upgrade to the PCIe
1: 4.0 yeah cuz that's really a huge amount of data coming into each chip or each card that the primary market we
2: we focus on is uh, the hyperscale cloud service providers because they have the need for the high efficient solutions to meet their strict needs like high density high quality low tco and also a lot of advanced features like virtualization and uh, to support container a lot of those kind of stuff that uh, they they are the first one to recognize this this kind of needs and uh, it happens naturally first in this kind of customer it also from Yeah, from or. Uh, first uh, f- from or customer engagements right now it also shows like this.
0: So it's interesting because I'm also um, thinking here, and maybe you can comment, um, you know, these people increasingly are wanting to do content detection. And, you know, in some cases it might be for um, filtering out objectionable content, uh, you know, on their platforms. Uh, so there's AI, ML, are any of them I- integrating yet, it, you know, at the chip level or using your APIs, even on the CPU, or is that still kind of a future
2: thing uh, that they're doing? Uh, with, with our current generation products, we support all kinds of third-party integrations through the FMPAC, uh architect. So, customers are using us to do the video, traditional video transcoding or encoding. In the same time, they're using the r- raw video we uh, decoding for them, they do the, a lot of the video enhancement or AI analysis, video analytics such kind of things and also feedback to our card to the following encoding. It happening already there is part of their whole AI system or whole smart video system that is already part of their solution. But right now it's still using the third uh, we, we do the, the, the video part and the customer doing the AI part like that. Uh, for our next generation, we have embedded AI uh, accelerator as well. On each chip, we provide 20 tops of the AI inference capability. So in the future, the customer can have the one shop service through the one chip, right? The video come in, uh, decoding, and do the video analysis or other things, and doing the encoding all mm. in the same chip.
1: So, in your next generation chip, you already have um, AI uh, silicon inside for accelerating inference.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Impressive.
2: So it can do the uh, video uh, p- uh, pre-processing and also post-processing.
1: I see. Wow. So, you know, you you've increased the density by four times. You're supporting a new codec, which is AV1. Uh, you've put um, um, uh, the, the AI uh, silicon in there, so I, I assume uh, the the size of the chip is is much larger than the current generation.
2: Uh, yeah, in, in fact, the size is similar because we move to the next generation of technology node, so much advanced the node, much high dense. So the die size itself is almost same.
1: Oh, so it's it's a it's a smaller like uh, process, yes. like in terms of na- nanometers. Yes. Yeah. And uh, if if we talk about uh, um, the main applications, not just uh, the markets and the types of customer, but what they use your, your chips for, uh, would that be mostly um, a premium uh, VOD content or long tail uh, UGC where you have millions of videos, or like uh, you know live streams coming from a lot from users, or, or surveillance or gaming? Where do you see the most usage of your products uh, today in the market?
2: Yeah, so uh, or or major applications right now, it's more from the like you said, more from the live streaming or the UGC contents. For the long tail contents, it happens a lot concurrently, but the viewership is not millions of millions, right? It's not the premium VOD contents. It's so the, the the economic wise or TCO wise, it must be make sense to make this kind of business sustainable. So this, this is uh, our uh, major applications right now. But there are some new applications. You also mentioned that the the gaming, the cloud gaming, is happening so fast that is the uh, I would say that is the fastest growth market for us right now.
1: Uh huh. And and the um, the value proposition here when you're doing cloud gaming or. Uh, is, is this for, for PC or for mobile?
2: So the cloud gaming is the hottest area that attracts a lot of investors and talents, a lot of companies doing that, that. There are two different categories. One is the cloud PC gaming and the cloud mobile gaming. Uh, from what we see here or what's, or, or customer engagements, uh, for, from from that perspective, the cloud mobile gaming is the fattest growth area that we are facing and it happens with some reasons right because one of the reasons is to make the the business model is the economically make sense or the the, the company can benefit from that so one of our customers have both the cloud pc gaming platform and also cloud mobile gaming platform in the same time and uh, right now the cloud mobile gaming is the 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 grows the most fast
1: and and the the idea i mean is this for security protecting the games from being downloaded and copied or is it because uh, you have such a android for example you have such a diverse client base that you have to uh, create and and tweak the app running on the device for each uh, and every specific uh, version of the operating uh, system What, what is the reason the the uh, really, the uh, motivation of your customers to move from native gaming to to cloud gaming.
2: Oh, there are so many reasons, right? One of is the Android uh, the system is so diverse. Right, There's So fragmented. many variants there, right? It, yeah, fragmented. So one the 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 gaming developer they needed to to compatible for hundreds of the different flavors before release uh, uh, gaming. But right now, we, with the cloud gaming, yeah, no, only one flavor is okay and it can reach to millions of the users immediately. Right, that, that is one thing. And also, a lot of the gamings, they are so advanced, the design, that it requires the, the, the state of mm-hmm. art of the hardware. But it's not always available for all the markets, especially for some developing countries. Right? So how to reach those kind of customers? Mm-hmm. Right, that you, through the cloud gaming method is the, the yeah. reasonable way right? and also there are so many games like how to anti the cheating or those kind of stuff that is so difficult to control on the client side mm-hmm. so, but it's much easier mm-hmm. to do that on the cloud That that is the thing we can see right now but back to the, the deep uh, strategic thinking of of the gaming companies I believe they have some bigger picture they want to, they, they, they are thinking. Like the, they're designing a metaverse, right? It's not a sing, single game that they are, they, they are thinking about. They are talking about, thinking about, right? Everything linked together happening on the cloud and streaming the contents to you. And you see a totally different universe, right? They are thinking about that, that, everything linked together mm-hmm. on the cloud. Gaming, just one of them, and one of the mm-hmm. the earliest.
1: So your gaming, your uh, uh, your video, of course, your apps, um, everything is coming from the cloud.
0: So this is interesting because this leads into a topic that uh, you know we're hearing a little bit about, especially with work from home, and that is uh, virtual desktop applications. So are you getting pulled into any opportunities around virtual desktops?
2: So we have some. Uh very exciting developments with some of the key customers on this field right now. So, the traditional virtual desktop using like a Citrix or those kind of ways is only useful for uh, specific applications and also on-premier uh, setup. It's not suitable for the public cloud, right? But right now, there's a trend that move, moving everything on the public cloud and provide the, the cloud the cloud desktop as a service, right? Everything happening on the cloud, you only get the everything streaming to your device, your cell phone, your TV, right? Whenever you go, you have a full set of the application you can run on the cloud. So one of our customers already have a very aggressive plan to deploy this uh, cloud desktop applications in this year. So one all or product is one of their essential parts for the whole system yeah
0: absolutely yeah, because oh. it, latency you know you think gaming latency is important but can you imagine trying to move a mouse and your you know or a trackpad and your pointer is delayed by an extra yeah i don't know if it's 100 milliseconds or 200 milliseconds i don't know exactly what that reference point is but
2: yeah e- exactly so the, a lot of the, desktops, uh, the, the cloud desktop service right now, we are, they are using us doing the 10 TP60, and uh, our latency is less than 10 milliseconds. Right. So this can provide a very good, uh, solid step to fully deploy this to a, to a broader market.
0: And the key is what you're, what you're saying is, is that these are deployed, or going to de- be deployed over public clouds. Or even if it's a private cloud, the point is it's not an on-prem where there's a server that's running in, in the closet next door. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's on the cloud, which is amazing and opens
2: up tremendous opportunities. Yes. And the same thing as the cloud mobile gaming or cloud gaming, this kind of service, the cloud desktop service, also need to lower down their TCO as much as possible. Otherwise, it's a good initiative, but how you can sustain this kind of growth,
1: right? Right, right. No, yeah. And in terms of latency, you're you're saying uh, for cloud gaming, you can get down to 10 milliseconds of of end-to-end latency using the hardware encoding?
2: Uh, so that is a 10dp number, but also it's not the end-to-end latency. So because we are only doing the video part, we can only control part of the latency. So w- w- when we talk about the latency, our definition is the? we got the rendering buffer and sent to our chip, we finish the encoding and send back the bit streams to the host. That cycle, we, we define that latency.
1: mm mm-hmm. I see. So uh, latency of your encoding, actually.
2: Yes. Yeah. And uh, in the cloud gaming uh, for the 720p resolution or latency is about uh, three to four milliseconds.
1: So that, that that's really low. But this brings me to, to, to another topic, um, and it's the topic of competing solutions. How do you show your customers the advantage of using your ASIC for encoding versus, let's say, rendering and encoding on a GPU?
2: Or, or encoder compared to GPU or CPU, we can do much higher quality, the video quality, and also uh, slower or, or much faster the latency, right? And, and also, uh, the, from the density-wise, the CPU or GPU have only limited capability to do the encoding. If you only do one or two streams, that, that's fun, right? But if you're talking about how about running 10 sessions or tens of sessions in one CPU or in one server setup, how can you catch up that kind of requirements? No, the GPU is not working at all. So you have to use the dedicated The the video encoder to do their professional job like us.
1: When your chip is used for cloud gaming applications, the rendering the rendering of the game is done on a CPU or a GPU. Uh,
2: On the GPU, and then they uh, send the the rendering buffer to us. We encode and uh, send back.
1: I see. So the GPU hardware encoder does not have enough capacity for uh, encoding the number of streams that it can render.
2: And and also, in the same time, is if you doing the uh, the heavy lifting rendering and also encoding in the same time, sometimes they can impact each other, especially on the, um, on the encoding latency side, which is critical for the, the quality of the service or customer satisfaction. You cannot compromise that.
1: When, when customers look at ASIC solutions, at hardware solutions compared to software, um, one of the things they look at is, uh, is flexibility because in software you can do anything uh you can uh, change the parameters you can change algorithms you can change you know search windows um motion vector resolution whatever you want you have a lot of flexibility in the software and you can always change and innovate uh whereas the ASIC is kind of a you know hard hard coded hard wired um solution so um when customers come to evaluate your solution versus the software uh, do you see flexibility being one of their main uh, considerations
2: uh, it, it is of the uh, questions customers always raise uh, that that's uh, I, I said before so it, it's kind of best from the previous experience when they interacting with the consumer-based asic design but uh, but when, when they dig into deeper with our design, they su- very soon they realize that we can provide similar flexibility compared to the, uh, the software, right? They, if they want to change the GOP structure, uh, insert IDR, or do whatever to control the, the encoding process, we can do the s- similar ways.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess at a certain point, you know, when your video processing workflow is stable, um, there's a limit to the amount of changes that you want to make, right you know you know what you 're using and how and
2: yeah exactly and and uh, one of the interesting thing is right so we we provide such a flexibility to improve or uh design from time to time right so we're always updating our firmware to provide a better quality or better service to our customer but or customer just like you said once they select our product and confirm one version works they won't change they don't want to change anything they want it running forever without any issues they don't want to change
1: right right sometimes you know psychologically they want to have the option to change even if they
2: exactly <laughs> but they never will they won't touch it again just put their let it running
1: yeah no it's, it's similar with open source you know some uh, a customer say yeah i, I only want to use open source software because it's flexible i can change it and then you go look did they ever change it no they didn't touch it they just downloaded
2: it, it's not a story it's it's happening right now <laughs> yeah we do support a wide range of the, div- the versions of the open source uh, and the li- linux kernels right it's such a wide range right this has really uh, been a great
0: discussion and we we always like to talk about the future Yeah you know, and I think that's a, that's a good way to wrap this up. Um, so I'm curious, you know, what, uh, what opportunities exist for ASICs as these next generation codecs are coming out. And, uh, you, you've just said that AV one is coming, uh, maybe we'll put you on the spot. Can you tell us when AV one is coming or is it still a, uh, a, a secret?
2: Oh, it is not a secret anymore. So uh, we are about to public announce uh, our next generation ASIC, which supports uh, AV1 at full channels, 4K P60. The, the, the customer availability for the early samples will be Q2 this year. It's coming Q2? out.
0: Q2? We're, we're pretty yeah. much already at Q2. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, awesome. So what, you know how do you think about next generation codecs um can you share what your strategy is do you have a strategy that and i'll just throw out like vvc as an example like um uh this next generation does it support vvc if not will you sort of automatically include that in the in the third generation or what's your criteria for considering you know which codecs you're going to support
2: yeah yeah, so we we are closely uh, monitoring the, the what the industry is moving towards which codec, and uh, like like I said, this generation will support AV1, uh, HEVC, and AVC, and also VP9 decoding as well for this generation, but not VVC yet. Uh, but we are closely monitoring this it, because one of the things is our product is is some it, some kind of you, you can imagine that is the is the co Development or co-growth with growth with our customers together, right? So whatever our customers want, we will consider to build into our, our our next generation chip. So VVC is a hot topic right now in some of our customers. So we are doing some early analysis right now, but maybe. In, in a sense, third generation, we will have it. Sure, sure.
0: And and what's the development cycles? Is this sort of a two-year cadence or an 18-month cadence or a three-year cadence? Like Yeah, yeah. How, how much time between generations? Yeah, it's normally
2: two years.
1: You mentioned the hyperscalers. Um, and I know that at least some of them are also developing uh, their own ASICs. Uh, so, if if you look at your competition, is it mainly from the internal developments of those hyperscalers or from other companies? I mean, you're a startup, but there are very large silicon companies. Uh, are they competing or even interested in this space?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Yeah. So, because uh, we, our product, in fact, is the first one commercially available for the market for the high-density encoders, so we, we didn't see any true competitors right now, but we know there are some other companies, including including some big names, try to design similar chips. So in the future, we'll be facing some uh, competitors. And some of the, the hyperscalers also have their plan to design their own ASIC chip. Normally, this kind of design is a highly uh, customized design for their own needs. They won't provide to third parties to use. So that still leave us a lot of rooms to grow.
0: And I imagine it also opens up the opportunity um, for you to even work with them. Uh, because I, I, I can guess, and, and I'm just going off, you know, I know just for example, in the data center, AMD is a very close partner with Google. And you can only imagine that, you know, they're 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 definitely co-designing their solutions so um does that also open up an opportunity for you to even come in and say hey you know we already have we have this platform like you know let's work together to
2: give you something that you need yes i i I cannot uh, release the the customer names but uh, it is happening like you said well this is um
0: a, a super exciting space and and it 's just really a novel approach that that you took and congratulations uh, the 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 company was founded uh, in um, two thousand and fifteen correct
2: yes, yeah,
0: so I mean congratulations in like not even six years to already be on the cusp of releasing your second generation ASIC drawer that's I mean drawer you know this world much better yeah. than I do that's yeah, like yeah. Th- this is this is an amazing achievement isn't it
1: yes yes definitely and also in this uh you know space of video encoding where everybody is talking about software versus hardware gpu and uh you know Alex with his company Netent come in with a um a real ASIC based solution extremely high density and you know when i hear about the next generation that's coming up in in q2 with four channels of 4K p60 and av1 i'm saying wow this uh, this has got to be it's a, a game a winner. changer yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely so uh again congratulations uh, alex um it's been really fascinating talking to you i learned a lot uh, for sure and i'd like to thank you for uh, coming on the video insiders
2: Yeah, thank you, George. Thank you, Mark.
0: All right. Well, good day, everyone. And George, as we say, happy encoding. Happy encoding with software or hardware. That's right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast. If you'd like to appear on the show, just send an email to the video insiders at beamer.com that's
1: b-e-a-m-r.com with a brief description on what you're working on and why you think it's interesting for our audience this
0: podcast is sponsored by beamer imaging the views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent